We are in a series called Dysfunctional Families, and last week, our very own Cassie brought the Mother's Day message. Didn't she do a good job? Yes, she did. Yes, she did. All right, how many of you used the PEACE acronym that she gave you last week? Anybody? All right, got a couple hands. If there's anybody in here who has no idea what I'm talking about, you can go to bridgechurch.cc, go to archives, and there you can see her message. If you want to follow along with me today, you can go to um, use our Bible app uh, by version. Go to the Bible app and follow along there. You can follow along the whole time. Or you can go to bridgechurch.cc or you can email us at info at bridgechurch.cc and ask for the notes from today from Goldsboro. There you will receive them. Well, I'm really, really, really excited about this day, today's message and bringing it to you today. Um, Because today, there's a lot of people who, this is one thing they want and more than anything in the world. They want to figure this one thing out. We've been trying to figure this thing out for centuries, and that is soulmates. I remember a day when when Amy and I tied the knot, and we um, got married, and we did the whole marriage ceremony, and exchanged vows, and we... Um, we promised everything to God in front of everybody and God. And after the marriage ceremony, we, we have the reception and we have a good time. And then immediately after the reception, after that, soon to follow, I proved to Amy my love is forever. And you ask how? Well, we go to the hotel, we unpack everything, and um, she... Um, goes to the bathroom and unwinds from, from the long, hard day. And I go downstairs and get some ice, come back upstairs, open the door. Amy's nowhere to be found. She's still in the bathroom, and I hear a God-awful noise coming from the bathroom. Now, she gave me permission to say this. She actually told me that I can use this um, this story here, but there was a god-awful noise coming from the bathroom, and I want you to, to visualize and, and, and figure out what you think this might be. It, to me, it sounded like the mixture between a, a hissing cat and a dying bird. Let me, let me try to make you um, understand and, and hear what I heard. It, hurt, it goes like this. I'm like, what in the world is that? This is coming from the bathroom. The only one in this room is my wife. And I'm like, oh my. And I said, very cautiously, I say, honey, is that you? Are you okay in there? She says, no, I'm not okay. She said, can you go down to the front desk and get some salt packets so I can make some salt water? She says, my... My throat is hurting really, really bad, and my ears are itching. And I'm like, oh, man. So she opens the door, and she's still crying, bless her heart. And she's, she's just, please, will you please go downstairs? And I think to myself, oh, my goodness, what have I done? <laughs> so I go downstairs, get the salt packets. I say, yes, ma'am, Go down there and get the salt packets, bring it back upstairs. And the whole time I'm coming back upstairs and I'm praying, please, Jesus, 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 please let this not be, let this be just a dream and it's going to be over when I get, it, get back. So when I get back into the room and open the door, same thing. She's in the bathroom. Now I want you to get a visual 
of what I'm seeing. This is our wedding night. This is the day we got married. I just tied the knot and, and made these vows, and I've said, okay, this is forever. I walk inside. You have to visualize. All right, her veil has been ripped off. She's got makeup and mascara running down her whole face where she's been crying. And she's just sitting there, oh, please, will you please help me? And she, her throat hurts, and her ears are itching because sinuses have took over. She's had a long, hard day, and her sinuses have taken over, and they're messing with her. And I'm thinking to myself at that very moment, oh, my goodness, what have I done? <laughs> have I made the right decision? <laughs> Did I really need to get married <laughs> right now? Did I make the right decision? Is, is, is this my soulmate? I mean, it really doesn't look like my soulmate right now, Lord. What am I doing here? So then she looked at me, and she, she grinned as much as she could, and she said, as I, after I made her her drink to help her with, her with her throat, she looked at me, she said, you really do love me, don't you? <laughs> I said, yes, yes, ma'am, I do love you. Um, like it or not, we are stuck together forever. So, People have been trying to get this, and organizations and internet have been trying to figure this one thing out for a long, long time, for centuries, and they've been getting it wrong over and over again. Marriage, marrying your soulmate is not what you think it is. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to discover that today, and we're going to look at a man in the Bible that didn't get it just right either. We're going to look at Samson. Now you're thinking, Samson? You talking about strong man Samson? You talking about long, long-haired Samson? Yes, we're talking about the same Samson. But we're going to look at a different uh, angle of his life. We're going to look at a little bit differently than you've ever looked at it before. We're going to look at the the book of uh, the um, look at Samson's life today. And uh, follow along with me, y'all. If y'all ready for the word, you ready for the word today? Yeah. All right. It's still a little weak. It's a little early. It's okay. It's all right. We're going to be looking at Judges today. We're going to be camped out there for the uh, first part of the message. And uh, then we'll be uh, going to other scriptures after that. So, let me ask you something. How many married people in here? All right, there's a lot. All right. How about singles? Where are my single people at? All right. I'm a single lady. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to mess that up. I'm not going to go there. All right, singles, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up, singles. All right. Everybody that's single, look around. Just Just the single people, look around. Look around. All right. That's what you got to work with today. You see what I did there? You see what I did there? I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You can never say that I'm not here for you. So, some people think that marriage is finding someone to marry just anybody and then just figuring it out as you go. Some people think that if you, you, you truly have a soulmate and you find that soulmate and you, you live a fairy tale life where there is no arguments and everything is just blissful and peaceful and you have a great life and you live happily ever after. Then there's some people who think that after a short period of time, you discover that you have not married your soulmate. You have to divorce really, really quick, get rid of that person, and then go find your true soulmate that is out there somewhere. Well, I hate to break it to you, but none of those are correct. And then I do believe that God does have a soulmate for each of us. And all our singles are like, yes, yes, I thought so. I believe God has put the desires on our hearts to marry a certain person, but I also think that it's up to us to follow through and be obedient to that God-given desire, not our flesh-giving desire. 
We all have a desire to love. We all have a desire to be loved, don't we? The people of this world, the culture of this world, yearn for that so much that we look anywhere we can look to get that love. And our culture is so thirsty for that love that they, they look anywhere, and then obviously they use a lot of counterfeit as well, just to fill that void in their heart. And how can you... How can you know what love is until you know the one who is love? 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. In the world, in this culture, we've been searching for love in all the wrong places. We've been looking and, and, and grabbing things from everywhere but the, the one place that we should. Well, we are in a series called Dysfunctional Families, and, and, and like I said, I believe that God has the desires putting, put on our heart. And how do you, the, the first questions that we have to ask, though, before we go any further, is how do we find that soulmate? Today's message is talking about soulmates. How do we find that soulmate, and how do we live with our soulmates? How do we develop our, a soulmate-like marriage? So, First thing is it starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with you and it starts with me. God wants you to have a soulmate. But God is more concerned about the you that you have to become before you find that soulmate. And I'm going to say that again. God does want you to find your soulmate. God does have a soulmate for you, but God is more concerned about the you that you have to become before you find that soulmate. You attract souls like yours. You attract people like you. Do you want to attract someone like you right now? Especially you singles that raised your hand. Are you okay with, with how you are right now? Because you're going to attract somebody like you. Maybe you're like, man, I'm messed up right now, man. I'm, I'm jacked up, and I don't want to... I don't want to attract no, nobody like me right now. I don't want to attract somebody uh, uh, as jacked up as me, and, and, and I'm going to marry somebody jacked up, and then we're going to get married and have a jacked up marriage, and, and, and then we're going to um, have kids and have jacked up kids, and then we're going to have jacked up grandkids. I don't, I don't want to be like that, man. I don't want to live that kind of life. Well, you have to do some changing. If you don't like who you are, if you don't, li if you don't want to attract the person that you are, you have to change you. It starts with you. We all have free will. We have the free will to, to choose anybody that we want. And that's what Samson did. You see, Samson was born a Nazarite. And the name Nazarite means to be separated for God. And there was another group of people that were living close by, and those were the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were, I mean, the Nazarites were not supposed to socialize with the Philistines because the Philistines ruled over the Israelites at the time. In Judges 14, it says, starting in verse 1, that Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young woman, a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her from me as my wife. Now I want to give you the Joey version of that. Samson was like, he came home and he said, Mom, Dad! I saw this fine woman at Timnah, and I just, I just, it, she's the one. 
I know she is. She's, she's got to be my soulmate. She's the one for me. She's the only one for me. We, let's go get her. Can we go get her? <laughs> then in verse 3, his father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised or the unclean Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. So Samson really felt like this chick was the, was the one for him. But his mom and dad, they weren't so sure about that. But what his mom and dad did not know is that it was from the Lord who, who wanted to confront the Philistines and wanted to confront the Philistines who were ruling over the Israelites at the time. This was God's plan for Samson to destroy the Philistines, but it was not God's plan for him to marry this particular woman. Samson, saw, Samson followed his own desires instead of God's desires. God did not make Samson pursue this Philistine woman for marriage. God allowed Samson to do what he wanted to do. You know, we, we have to be careful what we, what we ask for at times, don't we? We, we want something, we want something, we want something, we want something. We're, we're, we're giving in to the desires of our flesh instead of following God's desires. We want something, we want something. And finally God says, okay, all right. You want this? You ain't going to quit until I, until I uh, give it to you? I'm going to allow you to go through this. I'm going to allow you to have this right now. I want you to figure it out, though. You don't know what's up the road like I do. Here you go. And then let me know how that works out for you. You know, God allows some things to happen for us to learn. And in spite of Samson pursuing his own desires and marrying this woman, God still used this situation to accomplish his will. So his mom and dad didn't understand, but they allowed Samson to marry her anyway. Then Samson threw a party, like a reception, a, mar- a party to celebrate his marriage. And he throws this party, and there's a lot of people there, and they have a great time. And at this party, the Philistines get to Samson's wife and threaten her life if, unless they do something. And long story short, his, his new wife on the celebrating party of their marriage humiliates him and betrays him and he gets so mad samson gets so mad that he kills 30 men and he leaves the party and leaves his wife there also (laughs) you talk about a a a good way to start a marriage off (laughs) i mean that's that's about as bad as you get then days later finally samson calms down and cools down and he wants to go talk to his wife. As you can only imagine, he probably feels absolutely horrible how, how he responded, as men do a lot. <laughs> and uh, he went and went to her, her family's house and knocked on the door and said, and her, her dad came to the, to the door and was like, what do you want? And Samson said, well, I, w- I want to talk to my wife. I want to I see her. I want to talk to my wife. His dad was like, I was pretty sure you hated her back at that party. I just gave her away. I gave her to somebody else at the party to marry. Do what? What did you say? Samson flipped out once again. 
And he said, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm going to do. This is another reason why I'm going to get revenge on you and the Philistines. And I'm not going to quit until I do. I'm going to live the rest of my life in, in, in getting revenge on you. And he went on a rampage and he went crazy. And, and, and then the Philistines caught, caught wind of what, how it all went down and, and what exactly happened. So then the Philistines went and killed his wife and, his fa and her family. Then from that day forward... Samson and the Philistines were back and forth, trying to get back at each other. Then one day, as we know, as Samson was in the valley of Sork, they, he, he saw, he fell in love with, a, with another woman called Delilah. We all know the story of Samson and Delilah. We all also know that the Philistines also got to Delilah as well. And threatened, and they... Um, they told her that they were going to give her a, a crazy amount of money if she would just reveal what the true source of Samson's strength was because they wanted to finally capture him for good. So after many, many, many days and nights of her asking and nagging and, and nagging some more, finally Samson gave in and told her what it was. He said it was his hair. So she rushed to the Philistines and told him what it was, and she allowed him to, to lay in her lap and fall asleep, and she shaved his head off, and the Philistines came and captured Samson for good. So both of Samson's wives betrayed him. Now on the surface it looks like Samson made two horrible mistakes in choosing wives. And he did. He did. Is it possible for us to marry the wrong person? If we give ourselves to God and seek His guidance, His promise is to direct us. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. But when we lean on our own understandings, yeah, we can get things wrong. We can go the wrong way. We can go in the wrong direction. Yes, it is possible in a time of disobedience and, and lack of close fellowship with God for us to marry the person that God doesn't particularly want us to marry. Did Samson not marry his soulmate, not once, but twice? On the surface, we would say yes. But if we look at the big picture, we look at the big picture and see that, that it was all part of God's plan. You see, yes, Samson got into his, his own desires, gave into his own desires, and married someone that, that God didn't particularly want him to marry. But God still, in spite of Samson's uh, deliberate obedience and, and not listening to him, God still, uh, uh, God's will still was able to be accomplished and still was able to be fulfilled. God's plan will still be accomplished in spite of our disobedience. But look at the pain that we can prevent if we would just stop and listen and be obedient to Him. Look at all the pain that we could prevent. Look at the life that Samson could have had if he had just been obedient and listened to God instead of doing his own thing. Look at what he could accomplish. What, look at what, he, what we could be saying about Samson right now. Yeah, he was a strong man. He did a lot of great things. But look, think of what we could be talking about him about, about his life. Even though Samson 
seemed to choose the wrong wives. And even, even though Samson made some poor decisions and he was tempted into sin, God's plan was still accomplished. God's will will still be accomplished, which leads me to my second point. And how do you find your soulmate? And how do you um, have a soulmate marriage? Number two, develop your marriage. Even when it doesn't seem like it's worth developing, even when you think your marriage was a mistake, Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So no matter what we do, no matter what choices we make, God's will is still going to be fulfilled, but be less, less, less painful if we would just be obedient and follow him. It said that, that God works all things together for good. What, is, what does all mean? All, yes. Those who love him. Who loved him? Do you love him? The Israelites loved him. Nazarites loved him. And he loved them. And he loves you. But do you love him? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And how much did, did Christ love the church? John 3, 16, as we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's how much he loves us. He laid his life down for us. He laid his life down for me and for you. He laid his life down just so that we could be with him forever. Now that's love. That's true love. That's what I'm talking about. Now last week, Cassie said that she could challenge the moms and, and, and mothers because she was one. This week, I'm going to challenge us men and husbands because I are one as well. <laughs> so, husbands. When's the last time you laid your life down for your wife? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to think about. Now, I'm not talking about taking a bullet for her. I hope and pray that nobody in this room ever has to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when's the last time you laid your life down for her for the day to day? Being soulmates is both a position and a practice. A husband and wife are soulmates in that they are one flesh, spiritually and physically, emotionally united with each other. And practice is a process. And it don't happen overnight. It don't happen uh, right now. It's a process. It takes time and it takes effort. You have to lay yourself down. You have to die to self. When's the last time you put her needs above your needs? When's the last time you put his needs above your needs? Come on now. I'm talking to myself here too as well now. I don't have all this figured out. I'm a work in progress just like everybody is. But husbands, before we do anything, before we make any decisions at all, we have to first ask ourselves, how is this going to affect my wife? Is this going to, how is this going to affect my family? Is this going to help or hurt my wife? Is this going to help or hurt my family? How much do you love your, your wife? How much do you love your husband? Do you love them 
as Christ loved the church? Will you make a vow today to lay your life down for her from this day forward? To die to self for her from this day forward? Because that's the recipe for a soulmate right there, guys. A soulmate is developed, not found. I'm going to say that again. Wait for an amen. A, a, a soulmate is developed, not found, guys. You don't find your soulmate. You wake up to your soulmate after years and years and years of living a selfless life in a selfless marriage. Oh, that's good there. That is good. You don't find your soulmate. You wake up to your soulmate after years and years and years of living a selfless life and a selfless marriage with your spouse. Soulmate is developed, not found. And it starts with you to develop your marriage, which brings me to my third point. And that is, how, how do you find your soulmate? How do you, how do you have a soulmate-like marriage? Number three, you have to be content with your marriage. Pastor Randy, I talked to him just this past week, and he reminded me of how the grass is not just greener on the other side, but the grass is greener where you water it. Amen? It's where you water. It's where you put forth effort. It's where you, you take time and, and you, you make time to, to water and, and nurture this thing, which, uh, which is just, we have a garden. We just planted a garden at my home, and you don't just plant a garden and just walk away from it, do you? You don't. You, it takes time. It takes effort. You have to water it and, and, and nurture it and fertilize it and, and, and make sure that all the weeds are out. And you have to take care of it. It's the same thing with your marriage. But being content in your marriage, you have to be content in your marriage. Nobody else's marriage. Now, Samson had this problem. He had this problem with contentment, you know, because he was always looking, looking to see what everybody else had. Making sure that, that what he had wasn't what they had wasn't more than what he had. He was always looking. He wasn't content with what he had. He's always looking around and it always got him in trouble. Philippians chapter four, verse twelve through thirteen. Says, I know that it is to be in need what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And that's just Paul. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Being content isn't settling. Being content is not settling with what you have. Oh, I just, this is what I got. I know, I know it ain't my soulmate. It ain't what I could have had. I could have been, I could have done better. I'm just going, I'm just going to settle. No, no, that's not what content is. Content is being grateful for what you have. Content is being happy with what you have. Content is being satisfied with what you have and thanking God every single day for what you have. Being content in your marriage, thanking God every day that God brought this person into your life and being content and, and, and thanking God for him every single day and being satisfied and grateful and happy that he did. The great evangelist Billy Graham had this right, as we all know. He was content, still is. And he had this to say about his, about his soulmate, Miss Ruth, who died at 87. He said, Ruth was my life partner. We were called to God as a team. Ain't that awesome? We were called 
by God as a team. Not as individuals, but as a team. God brought them together. He also said, Ruth is my soulmate and my best friend, and I can't imagine living a single day without him, without her. There was a story of, of them when they um, first uh, built their house in the mountains. And, hey, now, they had an agreement, him and Ruth had an agreement that amount, the, the amount of fireplaces that they were going to build. Now, Ruth wanted a lot of fireplaces. But Billy only wanted two. Now, Billy went and spoke and was leaving to go to India as he, as he did to speak. And before he left, he, sat, he, he was talking to Ruth and she said, All right, now, we agreed we're only going to have no more than two fireplaces. Okay? As soon as he left, she went into uh, crazy mode and she went straight to the contractor and said, I want you to build just as many fireplaces as your hands can build before he gets back. I want as many as you can build. Please hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Build them as soon as you can, as fast as you can. When Reverend Billy Graham got back from his trip, he came back home to see not one, not two, not even three. Not four, but five <laughs> fireplaces. You know what he did? Didn't say a word. He had it all figured out. He knew. He was a smart man. He learned early. He knew what it meant to compromise. And he also knew what it was that we hear all the time. A happy wife is a happy life. That's right. He knew what it was to be content. He knew what it was to develop a soulmate-like marriage. Here's what I want you to know today. If you're married, there's a lot of people in here that raised their hand and said they were married. If you're married today, the person that you're married to, it's your soulmate. Period. That's your soulmate. Know that. Live that out. Don't, don't act like you settled. No, you didn't settle. That's your soulmate there. Treat him and her like your soulmate, not just some individual, not just a roommate. Treat them like God gave that individual to you because that's what he did. Be content, being grateful and happy and satisfied with your soulmate. Mark chapter 10, verse 7 through 9 declares, A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh, so they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. A husband and wife are united. They're one flesh, no longer two, but one, joined together. Soulmates, guys, that's what that is. A marriage may not be as, as unified and joyous as, as a couple wishes it to be. A husband and wife may not have the, the physical, emotional, and spiritual unity that they desire. But even in the instance, the husband and wife are still soulmates. No matter how disharmonious a marriage is, God can bring healing, forgiveness, restoration, and true marital love and harmony to a marriage. My wife and I celebrate 14 years of marriage in the next couple of weeks. Notice I did not say a perfect marriage, because come on now. Raise your hand if you've got a perfect marriage, really. Nobody. Nobody's got a perfect marriage, because let's be honest, guys. Marriage is hard. 
At least if you care about it. <laughs> if you don't care about it, it ain't that hard. But if you care about your marriage, if you care about the individual that you're with, it's hard. It takes a lot of work. It takes forth effort, just like I talked about with that, with that uh, garden. You know, me and my wife, we, we go and we spend time with each other at least once a year. We just get away completely, and we go to a, a marriage retreat. Now, there's a lot of marriage retreats that you can go to. We've gone to a lot of different ones with marriage conferences, and we go to this one particularly. We love going to, to Myrtle Beach. Actually, she loves going to Myrtle Beach, so I say, yes, ma'am, and we go to Myrtle Beach, and uh, Family Life puts it on. It's called Weekend to Remember, but there's a lot of great conferences that we, we go to every single year. Now, we don't go because we're messed up and we don't, we're, our marriage is crumbling. We go because we, we're trying to get a tune-up each year. We're trying to have preventative maintenance so nothing does happen. But just like I was saying before with a garden, our garden that we have, we love our little garden. We take care of our garden. You know, that garden could be just as a symbol just as a marriage. You plant your seeds into that garden. You, you nurture that garden. You, you water that garden. You get all the, the weeds out of that garden so it doesn't choke out the life of that garden. And you make sure that everything is, all the sunlight can get to it and no, no animals or, or enemies can, can get to that garden. And you nurture that garden. You take great care of that garden so that garden can grow, just like our marriage. You take care of it. You water it and you fertilize it on a daily basis, not just once a year. You know, I had a guy talk, tell me one time, a great friend of mine, talking about Valentine's Day, and he said, if I have to show her that I love her just on Valentine's Day, I haven't done my job throughout the year. You have to nurture her and, and nurture him, and you have to um, water them and fertilize them and, and so that, that your marriage can grow on a daily basis, not just once or twice a year. But make it a point. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, make it a point to fertilize and water and nurture your marriage. Today, as I close, you may be here and you, you may say, well, that's, that's all good stuff, man. I mean, that's going to help somebody, but I just, that ain't going to help me. You know, my, my marriage is all, it's all messed up right now. It's dying. It's dead. It's over with, man. There ain't nothing that, that anybody can say or do that can bring my marriage back. Let me ask you something. This goes for everybody in here. No matter where you're at in life, no matter where you're at in your marriage, if you're single, it doesn't matter. Those that are married, those that are going to, to get married, you may be going through something right now, and you may go through something in marriage. It's hard. It's not going to be easy for you singles. But I want to ask you something. If your marriage is dead today, you, you, act, you say that your marriage is dead and your marriage is over, let me ask you something. Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? And if you believe that God raised him from the dead, how do you not believe that God can raise your marriage from the dead? Amen? Come on now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you think that your marriage is over. It doesn't matter if you think that you married the wrong person or you think that it is all going to be over here soon, just like Samson, God's will is still going to be fulfilled, and God knew that you were going to marry that person before you even met that person. And if you allow God, He can mold your marriage into a soulmate like marriage. 
For those of you that are not yet married yet, I want you to remember. Be the you that God wants you to be first before you go searching for anybody. Be the you that God wants you to be first. You get right first before you go searching for somebody else. And get your, yourself ready to be someone's soulmate. Don't just go looking for a soulmate. You become, you get yourself ready to be someone's soulmate. And the way to do that is to first surrender to Jesus. No matter who you are today, no matter if you uh, have never been married, no matter if you've been married a dozen times, no matter if you've been married 50 years or 50 days or 50 seconds, if you want to have a soulmate, if you want to find your soulmate and you, you want to have a soulmate like marriage, it starts with Jesus. Even before it starts with you, it starts with Jesus. You can't lay your life down for someone until you know the one who laid his life down for you first. There's a void in everybody's heart. Everybody has a void in their heart that they're trying to fill. We talked about it right at the beginning when, when this world and this culture is trying to fill a void that, that only Jesus can void. It's just like a, a lock on, on your heart, and the only key is Jesus. We've been trying to use different keys throughout centuries, trying to unlock this void and try to, try to feel, um, feel filled inside. But the only way that we can fee, be filled is be filled with Jesus. And we can give our, uh, put keys in this void all the time, and we're going to be empty for the rest of our life unless we use that key, and the key is Jesus. And without him, we're going to be empty forever. We can fill it with everything we want. The only thing that can be filled with it is Jesus and his love. Surrender to him today and allow Jesus to come and, be, and fill that void in your heart that only he can so that you can be someone's soulmate. Let's pray.